Thanks, missus. The boy's eyes lit up as he snatched the food before running back up the hallway. Tom noticed the difference in the level of the floor and worried the house might be sloping to one side. I fear this building is about to fall in on top of us, he whispered to Lily from behind. We'll be grand, Tom. This part of the house was probably added onto the back to fit more people in. Be thankful she's not in the basement with the pigs. In the cold weather, there's nothing like sleeping next to a nice fat sow to keep a body warm. Tom could not see Lily's face to discern whether or not she was being serious, but the tone of her voice was enough to tell him so. He had a feeling she may have been speaking from experience. A very weak beam of daylight filtered into the narrow corridor behind them, but it was enough to show up the filth and grime, the source of a very rancid odour. When they reached the last door, Catherine knocked and stood back. The door creaked open to reveal a young girl, not more than eight years old, rocking a crying baby in her arms. Catherine looked over a head of matted brown hair to where three younger children huddled together on an old, badly stained mattress. "'Is Mrs. McGrain here with ye, love?' she asked softly. The girl nodded her head and pointed to her left. Catherine gave a quick glance at Lily and Tom before stepping into a room as grim and depressing as the rest of the building. In a dark corner lay a heap of rags, partly covered by an old, torn blanket. As she bent low over the figure, it was hard to tell if the woman was breathing or not. Bridie, Bridie, love, do you remember me? You would have known me as Catherine McGrother. The woman's eyelids flickered at the sound of a familiar name from her past. You remember me from our school days in Ireland, don't you? I used to sit behind you, Bridie. You were a mighty singer back then. Catherine knelt down on the dusty earthen floor by the sick woman's side. I can see you've fallen on hard times, Bridie. My parents were very sorry to hear about your mother not surviving the crossing on the boat. It must have been a terrible blow to you, arriving in a strange land at such a tender age, and no family to look out for you. I was a bit of a wild wee thing, Catherine, and spent most of my time hiding from women who wanted to put me in a foundling home, or, God forbid, send me out west on a train with other unfortunate orphans. They meant well, Bridie, said Catherine. You might have lived on a farm, with decent food and fresh air. Surely that's better than sleeping in sewer pipes. The response was so low, Catherine had to lean close to hear what was said. Lily put a hand on her sister-in-law's shoulder to draw her back, with a warning to be careful of catching the fever. Here, Bridie, let me help you sit up so you can have a wee sup of this water. Catherine ignored Lily's advice. It's grand and clean. I brought it with me, and a basket of food. I'll leave that here with your children. Them's not mine, came a weak reply. The baby is. He's all I've got left. I lost my man and our two boys when our building caught fire last year. 
God have mercy on their poor souls. <coughs> a rasping cough shook the ragged bundle, and it was a couple of minutes before the woman could go on. I didn't know I was carrying Jeremiah at the time, but it lifted my spirit when I found out. He's a good baby, and I managed to earn enough money to keep us, up until a month ago. They were interrupted by the sound of a man's voice shouting in the corridor. The speed at which the door burst open caused a cloud of fine dust to fill the room and Tom stepped in front of his mother and Lily. A tall, broad-shouldered man with a furious scowl on his face grabbed hold of the boy's lapels and pushed him aside. "'Get out, you bunch of no-good do-gooders! Leave us alone! We're not causing any harm to anyone!' he roared. As Catherine's